So, this morning, I want to welcome everyone. Are you excited? Are you pumped? Yeah, I'm sure, we're happy. Yeah, you know, yeah. 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 Steelers are playing today. Yeah! How about church? Oh, they played Thursday. Oh, what a letdown. And they won, you know. (laughs) So anyhow, I won't talk about the Steelers. So anyhow, (laughs) this morning, um, again, I keep looking for messages that will perhaps try and tie into the events that are going on in the Middle East. And um, I found another one, it'd be Psalm 83. But um, the introduction I was thinking of is that... Along the Mediterranean Sea, now I, I, never tra- I didn't travel this road, but along the Mediterranean Sea there's this 30-mile road that snakes through the mountains and up to the top of a mountain. It comes to this place called Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the capital of, of the um, Israelis, of, the, of, of Israel. And we find that this capital of Jerusalem should have been extinguished, blown away, centuries ago, because it's not a major capital in the world. We had uh, Susa in, in, uh, the, in the uh, Persian Empire, a major, major c- complex. It's nowhere to be found. Babylon in the Babylonian Empire, it was a beautiful, elegant, you know, Nebuchadnezzar built this, you know, one of the, one of the seven wonders of the world, and the Tower of Babel and all that was going on, it nowhere to be found. So, we find that the city of Jerusalem has been hanging around for centuries, and even before David took it over, captured it, and made it his kingdom, it was called the, the city Salem. So it's been around for a long period of time. The, um, in 70 AD, the Romans, we know also that the, you know, the Babylonians destroyed the city, they came back 70 years later, started to rebuild to rebuild the temple. And then that was rebuilt. In 70 AD, the Romans come in and destroy the temple and destroy the city. And um, this is the fulfillment of the prophecy that was given by Jesus, that not one stone will be left upon another. And the, the city, Jerusalem, has changed its name uh, a couple of different times. In 130 AD, it was uh, changed by a Roman to the city of Aliyah. And he changed the name of the country from Israel to Syria-Palestine. So every, you ever wonder, where did the Palestinians get their name? Well, Palestine is also a derivative of uh, the Philistines. The Philistines were a group of people that occupied the border country near the Mediterranean Sea. And there were five major cities of the Philistines, and one of them was Gath, which, who's the big guy who came from Gath? Big guy? Yeah, Goliath. There's a couple hints there, you know. So Goliath is the guy who came from Gath. So the Psalm 83 teaches us that when you are surrounded by your enemies, we should do one thing. We should pray. (laughs) You should be resolved to draw closer to God. And as we take in communion and looking at this, our resolution is... Our resolution, I don't want to call it a New Year's resolution, we're not there yet. But we should be resolved to draw closer to God and to trust God in all things. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. 
It is the blood of Jesus Christ where our power and our, the authority we have resides. It resides in Christ. So as we go back to the Old Testament, um, we find that the Palestinians, sometimes we wonder, um, where did they come from? Well, they are an ethnical race mixed between uh, a mixed people. Uh, we find them, they, they come out of Edom and part of Moab. Now, if you have an Old Testament uh, map, you can, it's those areas, it's basically surrounding Israel, but it's parts of the, what's called Moab and it's called um, Edom. They are descendants, the Palestinians are descendants of Lot. So they are related, in a sense, to the Jews, just as the Arabs are related to the Jews through Ishmael. So the Palestinian comes out of Edom, Moab, Phoenicia, and Syria. So they are, uh, they are a mixed group of all, not, I won't say all the Arab nations, but the, of, of that area. They are a mixed group that have come from those, that area. They, um, that's where we get the idea of, of Palestine. So... Uh, what else? So there are uh, these, uh, I'm going to go on here. Palestinians then, um, as we, this, is another, this is another thing that I, I didn't know, because Palestinians are Muslim, but they are not Arab. Okay? Arabs are different. Arabs come from Ishmael. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Abraham, um, and Hagar? Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. Abraham, Hagar, and Ishmael. Well, the Arabs come from um, Ishmael. They are descendant of Abraham through Ishmael. And do not confuse the Lebanese people as Arabs. They are Phoenicians. Don't confuse Iranians with Arabs, for they are... Where was Ruth? She was a Persian. So we find that the Iranians then are Persian. And they all have distinct origins. They come out of these uh, different ethnic groups. So we find that, so, you know, for me, I, you, you think about it, you hear these names. Well, they're all Arabs. <laughs> well, if you are an Arab person from, um, from, um, from uh, Ishmael, Arab, 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 if you are an Arab, it's just like if you're Irish. If you're an Arab, you don't want to be confused with a Palestinian. You don't want to be confused with an Iranian. You, don't, you know, they are all distinct. They are not Persians. So we, we look at all this. In about 600 A.D., okay, this is where we come to the distinctions. In 600 A.D., Muhammad decides that there's all these warring countries, these, these tribes. And as we read these different places, they all had their own tribes, their own, their own leaders. They had their own gods. And so Muhammad comes along in 600 AD, and he decides something's got to change because they're always fighting with one another. And so how is he going to unite them? So what does he do? <laughs> he looks at the Christians. And what do the Christians have? They have one God. Um, then he looks at the Jews. What do they have? They have one God. So the issue then was monotheism because the Arabs or the community, these tribes, they had as many as 365 gods among them and they always were fighting with one another because they thought their god was better than the other guy's god. And back in the olden days, back in that time, 
if you were, if your God was the bigger God, we won the battle. You know. So, um, Muhammad, he says that we've got to choose one God, and so he chooses Allah. And his way of evangelism was very simple. Do you believe or not? And if you don't believe, we cut your head off. So, <laughs> all of the people that, uh, you know, became uh, in that whole region in northern Africa, they were all uh, evangelized to become Muslim. So, the people agreed, and that's how we find that Islam has conquered the Middle East, and as we said, even to North Africa. The shocker is the Arabs, Saudi Arabia, those countries don't like the Palestinians. Okay? Now, whenever um, the, the war started a month ago or so, the uh, Arabs, the Saudi Arabia came to Israel and basically said, you've got to give an, an out for the people of Palestine to find some type of freedom and some type of safety. Well, they said, well, we'll just, you know, open the gates and they can come to Saudi Arabia. And they said, no, <laughs> we don't want them. Because the Palestinians are not accepted by any of the Arab countries. <laughs> and in fact, in, um, where is it? In, in Palestine, um, whenever they, the Palestinians, when they lived in Damascus, they didn't really live in Damascus, the city. They were in a tent city outside of Damascus, Syria, and they were kept behind a fence in a tent city. They were not allowed to enter into Damascus and become part of the Syrian culture. So they were not permitted to be integrated with any of the other Arab countries. So they are considered different. So Palestine, the Palestinians then are a different group ethnically than all the other Arab countries. But they have the same religion. Muhammad is their prophet. Allah is their God. So what happens then is in this, in this conquest and this desire to um, Muhammad and his desire and his prophets and so on, um, Allah, that they must eliminate the Jewish people. So we find that uh, uh, as we read Psalm 83, we're going to see some very interesting pictures here. What this, this psalmist wrote 3,000 years ago that is exactly what is happening in the Middle East today. So, Psalm 83 is written by Asaph. He is one of David's three musicians. He is considered a seer or a prophet, and he is one who has written a number of, of um, psalms and prophecies that, that are linked here in the, in the scriptures. We find that, uh, as we said, no one... In, um, in Jewish history can take what is written here in Psalm 83 and apply it to a battle or a time in Israel's history. It just doesn't fit anywhere. So it's kind of like hung out there that it's something. <laughs> and so those who are considered or considered biblical prophecy, they are now seeing how this fits right up into, slides right into the slot of today's um, events. So as we look at this in Psalm, in Psalm 83, verse 1, it says, 
Asaph is crawling, calling out to God. He says, do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. And do not be still, O God. So the, the words for us, we have the translation, uh, O God, O God. Okay? But really they mean two different things. The first one, and do not be silent, O God, is God the creator of the heavens and the earth. In Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the God, this is the phrase that relates to that. And then in the third, the third stanza, and do not be still, O God, is um, omnipotent God, God who is all-powerful. And so whenever he is saying here in this verse, he's telling them, he's calling out to God, who is the creator God, and who is the omnipotent God. So you ever think of whenever you pray? God, we just say God, but in the Hebrew, we would have to say, God, who is creator of heavens and earth, we ask for you to be with us. Okay, answer this prayer. Oh, creator. Then we go with God, all-powerful God. Nothing is impossible for you. All-powerful God. So this is what we're looking at here in this verse. So, and we also see, um, do not hold your peace. Don't, don't, God who creator of all things, don't be silent. Speak up, God. Don't hold your peace. Speak up, God. Do not be still. Don't sit there and do nothing. <laughs> kind of, that's a McGee paraphrase there. Uh, so if you're, if you're uh, praying and saying, God, don't sit there and do something. Pastor says you need to do something now. Then you won't see me next week. I'll be struck by lightning. Uh, so Asaph is calling out in prayer for God to do something. Now, have you ever asked that of God? God, please do something in this situation. So, so why does A Asaph want God to do something? Okay, this is now we're digging into this. Why does Asaph want God to do something? Verse 2. For behold, your enemies make a tumult. They make an uproar. Your, your enemies are creating turmoil. And those who hate you have lifted up their heads. <laughs> these people have come, are not, these people have come to attack Israel. Now, the, this is the, 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 the situation that Asaph is writing about is a prophetic situation. He's not writing about a siege that is going on in Jerusalem at the time that he is writing this. So it's not applicable to the day he's writing it. So it has to fit somewhere, and, and prophetically, it fits right into today. It is the square peg in the square hole that fits into today. So he says, um, your enemies who hate you. <laughs> they have lifted up their head against you. They've decided that you, are, you God, have to, have to go away, basically. Verse 5, we get on to, skip down to verse 5. For they have consulted or conspired together with one consent <clears throat> or with one covenant. <laughs> they form a confederacy against you. <laughs> See, the important thing is here is 
when this attack that is coming, and as we, if we look at it from the, the, the news and what we see on the news, um, that there is an attack with, that came against Israel. Now, uh, one of the things that is, is not portrayed is you have all of these rockets, and again, you, you, you don't want the, the, the innocent to suffer, but you have these rockets coming against, Israel, against uh, the Hamas in, in the West Bank here. And so what happens is they sent, what, 6,000 rockets into Israel? What if they had not been stopped? What damage would there have been in Israel in the first day? But it's only the defenses that are in Israel that kept all these rockets and things from coming into and destroying the cities of Israel. And so Hamas has decided to, and again, I'm, well, this is not against Arab people, it's not against Palestinians, it's, it's basically speaking about those who hate God. Okay? That's where we're looking at. Those who hate God, who hate the children of God. <coughs> whenever, they, uh, whenever they're crying out from the river to the sea, let Palestine be free, they're saying that from the river, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, let there be no Israel, no Jew alive. They hate the Jewish people. And the reason is, it's whose God is bigger? <laughs> Which is the bigger God? Is it the God of Ishmael and, 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 and Allah and his prophet Mohammed? Is that the religion that is greater? Or is it the Jews, the God, uh, and the God of the Jews and the God of the Christians? And so the Islam does not see this as permissible. So we go on. What happens is, these individuals have made a covenant. They've made an agreement. Everything that we hear that has happened is the, the attacks and the, the underground tunnels and all this stuff has been going on for years. It's all been in preparation for this to, to happen. It's been a planning in secret. These nations have come together. These terrorists have come together and made a covenant. God is the one who makes covenants, not, not, you know, not people. God has made a covenant with us by his stripes we are healed, that his death on the cross is the blood shed for our sins. So now the people are making a covenant against God. <laughs> so they, they basically, they hate God. Verse 3, the second, the first, and they make, they take crafty counsel uh, against your people, crafty counsel, covenant, con and consult together against your sheltered ones, against Israel. They are against your sheltered ones, your treasured ones. The nation of Israel and the Jewish people we know have been, <laughs> teachings, that they are God's chosen individuals, chosen people. Verse 4. Asap saying, they have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation. Okay, this is 3,000 years old. <laughs> this is 3,000 years old, and he's talking about sometime in the future that there is a group of people who are going to come and they are going to try and cut you off from being a nation. 
that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. (laughs) For they have consulted, they have conspired together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. Do you know there was a uh, Mohammed El-Shazar, he is a senior Hamas official, and he believes that Mohammed has drawn the earth together and that all of the lands, all of the earth, the, uh, the, the earth part, not the ocean, the earth, the earth part, 500 to t- and 10 million square kilometers of the planet, that they will come under a system where there is no injustice, no, impre- no oppression, no Zionism, and no treacherous Christianity. So, to the, now again, are all Arabs and Muslims, are they, they, are they radical, you know, no. This is just, but if you look at this whole situation and how that it applies to Hamas and, and these, other, uh, these other groups. So, we go on. There was a Muslim cleric who spoke in Times Square a few weeks ago who said, in the Bronx, in Manhattan, in Queens, and in every borough, in every home, there will be every knee that will bow down to Allah. So we see that, now again, this is, this is the radical Muslims, this is the radical group, the radical extension. But you see, what is Christianity? The Christianity, we are, we give people, God gives us choices. You get to choose. In, in, the, in, this, in this other extreme, you don't have a choice. There is, there is only what we believe, and it is the only belief that you're allowed to have. But we find that in our freedom, in our freedom, we have given everyone a choice. And so in those choices, people have chosen not to accept Christianity, but to bring their beliefs with them. So when an in- enemy encircles us, pray boldly. Verses 13, 14, and 15. Again, this is 3,000 years ago. Oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind, as the fire burns with woods, and as the flame sets the mountains on fire, so pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. So we find that the psalmist is saying that there is no help for us unless there is a divine intervention. (laughs) So there has to be a divine intervention for this whole thing to come together. Then going back to verses 6, 7, and 8, I know I'm bouncing back and forth, but they, they, they come together. He says, deal with Midian as with Sisera, as with Jabin and the brook of Kishon, who perished at Endor, who became as refuse on the earth. Okay, what on earth does that mean? Well, what the psalmist is doing is he is quoting the book of Judges in which um, the, um, the, uh, he's quoting the, the, the Judges in which there's the battle with Deborah and uh, the um, Midianites come and they come with 600 chariots and God brings a deluge, a storm, and all the chariots get stuck in the mud. There was no way Israel could fight the, the 600 chariots. They all get stuck in the mud, and the archers wipe out the, 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 the invaders. 
And then in Gibeon, Gibeon has, Gideon has the same type of situation that you've got, God, you've got to fight on our behalf. And they, again, stop the enemy coming into their lives. And so Asaph then quotes those two battles in these verses, deal with them with Midian and Sarah and all them. So we find that in verse 6, the tents of Edom are Jordan. So when we're looking at who is surrounding Israel, deal with them in verse 6. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and Haggites, the tents of Edom are Jordan. Now Jordan in the ancient times was kind of divided into three sections. And so the Ishmaelites, that's Saudi Arabia. Moab is Jordan, another part of Jordan. Haggites are the border people of Jordan and Saudi Arabia. They are descendants of Hagar, and they make up part of Egypt. So every one of these individuals, Edom, Ishmaelites, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, all of those are the countries that are now bordering around Israel. 3,000 years ago, this was written. The prayer, verse 9 and 10. Deal with them as with Midian and with Sarah. So he is describing the battle that took place between Deborah and, and the judges. Then we move to verse 11. Sorry, I missed the page there. Verse 11 says he is describing a battle that took place um, there with Deborah and Gideon. And then verse 11, that Gideon and his defeat of the Midianites. So why bring up Deborah's battle and Gideon's battle? These two nations were coming to take over the land of Israel. They wanted to wipe Israel off the map. So what takes place in this battle that Asaph is talking about 3,000 years ago is that these people want to wipe Israel off the map. <laughs> and he's writing about it. And he says they wanted to wipe Israel off the map and, Israel would and that Israel would be remembered no more. So the Arab world today basically says, the Islam, Islamic world today basically says the very same thing. Let us wipe Israel off the map. We will turn, <laughs> they say that they will kill the great Satan. They will wipe Israel off the map and they will kill the great Satan. Do you know who the great Satan is in Islam? Christ and Christianity. The very thing that, you know, you talk about good becoming evil and evil becoming good. They're taking what the scriptures, our scriptures, what, the, what the, we believe the Holy Scriptures say, that Satan, who is the destructor of all that is good, and they're saying that Christianity and, and Judaism is that great Satan. So all of this brings us to these last verses. Look at verse 16. Fill their face with shame. Now, this is, this, is, this is not too difficult, but difficult to understand. If you've been caught doing evil, if you've been caught doing wrong, today most people say, oh, it's not really wrong. I really wasn't stealing that. I really, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, but may their faces fill with shame, meaning that will they find the dishonor in what they've been believing? 
Will, they, will these people come to a place where they understand the dishonor and what they have been doing and that they may see your name, O Lord? So somehow they will see their actions as not holy unto God. And whenever it says, O Lord, it is the capital O, capital L, capital O, capital R-D. That, there is, that is the uh, covenant name given to Moses. So, you know, we talked earlier about these groups coming together in a covenant, in an agreement to wipe Israel off the map. We come here and the psalmist is saying, don't kill them, convert them. <laughs> He's not telling that at this last time it's all going to be hell, fire, and brimstone going to burn them all and, and wipe them off the face of the map. No. He's saying the covenant God wants to save them. He wants to save them. And so whenever he's talking about, oh Lord, it is the covenant of Moses, the covenant that God made with Moses, the covenant that God made with Israel, the covenant that God has made with us. And the covenant is, he who is greater has made an agreement with who, we who are lesser of what he will do. And we are saying, yes, Lord, forgive us. So he is not looking to destroy us, he's looking to redeem us. And in this psalm, the psalmist is saying that these people have come together to wipe us off the face of the earth. And he, and he says, may their face be filled with shame. Because they will realize they've been doing the wrong thing. Let them be confounded, verse 17. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them put to shame and put them to shame and, pen and perish. He's saying, you know, let, them, let the shame of what they've done come upon them and let, them, let their ways perish. What they have been holding on to and what they have been declaring that to destroy others and to all the, the, the things that are the radical Islamic people are trying to do, terrorists, are trying to do, let them see the shame of their actions and let their actions perish. Verse 18. <laughs> that they may know you. Imagine that. That they may know you. The covenant that they made with each other is nothing to the covenant that God will make with them whose name alone is the Lord. And in their belief and in their structure, <laughs> Allah is everything. But the psalmist is saying, no, the name is the Lord God, Jehovah, creator of the universe, God of power, omnipotent. And verse 18 at the end, are the most high over all the earth. There is no other God like you. <laughs> there is only God Jehovah, creator of heaven and earth. And everything else is just idols and waste. <laughs> That's Psalm 83. 
Imagine that. How that fits today's today's news. Three three thousand years ago, it was written, and it just fits what's happening today. And so, where do we go? Well, Psalm 121 says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. This is not something that we have to be frightened of. This is not something that we need to, we just need to be aware of it because God is in control. God will take us through. God, this is all, people say, well, what's going to happen next? Well, we know that this is a, perhaps a prelude to Ezekiel's battles in 38 and 39 with Gog and Magog, but these are the countries that circle Israel, and it's taking place now, and it's just setting it up for what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen next. Perhaps there'll be peace in the Middle East. Perhaps there'll be an all-out war. Don't know, but we know one thing. God is in charge. We serve a God who is the creator God, who is the God who is omnipotent, and Israel may be hammered, but they will never be destroyed because God has promised that. They will never be wiped from the face of the earth. And Jerusalem will be there because Jesus is coming back and he will stand on the Mount of Olives. And so until that day comes, we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. He lives within my heart today. Amen? Would we want to sing that one? No, you don't want to sing. But anyhow, that's a song in the hymnal, an old song in the hymnal. But so... Isn't that something? Psalm 83. It's, they couldn't figure out for years where this psalm belonged until now. It belongs now. And the prophet wrote it 3,000 years ago. Amen. God, we thank you. We thank you that you know what our future is. You know all the things that's going on in our world. And God, we pray for your direction. Lord, we don't know the answer, but we know you are the answer. And we pray as the psalmist did, that they will see and their face will, they will face their shame and turn to you, O oh Lord. They will turn to you and you will make a covenant with them to bring them into your kingdom. This is our prayer. This is This is your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.